Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Knock, knock. Welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath. Who the hell are you? I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and what we're doing this time round is the life and times of one Arnold Schwarzenegger. Of course, I'm a Terminator. Because, I'll let you into a little bit of a secret. I've obviously mentioned him on many times, many other occasions, and I've done a whole episode on Predator, so I clearly like the guy. I like you. That's why I'm going to kill you last. And growing up in the 80s, you couldn't avoid the guy. And so what I grew up thinking is, I really enjoy this guy's movies. I was aware that he was a bodybuilder, and obviously at that time I didn't know he was going to go into politics yet. But when I had a birthday this year, my sister, who is awesome, got me two tickets two tickets to go and see Arnold Schwarzenegger live in the London Palladium. Forget it, I'm not going to sit in your lap. And at the time of recording, this happened this week. And I'm still thinking about it. Because they say, never meet your heroes. And while I didn't meet him, being in the same place at the same time with this man that, who I have ultimately grown up with, Bring the toy back, bring the toy back to the carpet. In a room with just over 2,000 people, and everybody's there to see this man. And he hasn't made a good movie in 20 years? One of us is in deep trouble. So why is that? And thinking about it, and thinking about what he had to say, yes, I'm talking about pop culture and history, but Schwarzenegger is a name that will outlast himself. And I want to let you into a little bit of a secret here. And that is, as I said before, I have a day job. Funnily enough, the few adverts on this small podcast do not pay for a mortgage and a family. So I am a trainer. And therefore, the secret is, I have to read a lot of really bad business books. The reality is almost any business principle can be summarized in 10 pages, basic concept, exploration, some examples, done. But nobody's going to buy the 10-page book. So what do they all do? They may be great business principles, but they're stretched out over quite a long period of time. And there are very few genuinely readable books on business. And there are some very big names 
like Simon Sinek. Now, for the record, I think Simon Sinek is an amazing guy. He comes up with some great groundbreaking principles that influence everybody. And even though he's copyrighted them, everybody comes up with their own variation because they're good. They work. But he is famous for being a business thinker. And if you were to go on one of his courses and he was actually to be there at the time, it will cost you a lot of money. So he is richer, more successful than I will ever be in this area. He is the gold standard. But all he's ever done is this business stuff. He's a little bit unusual. There are others out there like him where he, in essence, is famous for thinking about the business world and particularly the sales world. And it works, and good luck to him. This is not me criticizing him at all, but that's what he's famous for. Or you get the kind of business writer where Chris Voss is a great example. Chris Voss spent decades in the FBI hostage negotiation unit. And his book, Never Split the Difference, his book on negotiation with what he learned in the FBI, now being applied to business principles, has sold quite literally millions of copies. Now, that's actually a pretty interesting book to read because he uses far more tense examples than somebody going, I was negotiating a new contract on pens for my business, which is a true thing and is actually where more negotiation is going to happen than anything else, but it's not exactly a page turner, is it? But the thing about Voss is whereas he's written a number of books, they can only be seen through the lens of him being in the FBI. Now, that is amazing. And like I say, they're actually pretty well written and pretty readable with good business principles being taken out of them. Boy, am I picking some holy cows to be pointing out here. Crush your enemies. See them driven before you. Like I say, Simon Sinek, Chris Voss, these are kind of the best in class of what we're talking about. There's a lot of pretenders, a lot of wannabes out there, which are neither as interesting as those two, nor sell as well as those two. But here's the thing. Schwarzenegger has been a world-beating athlete. Schwarzenegger has been a globally famous movie star. And Schwarzenegger, as governor of California, got into the world of politics and ended up running California on its own is the sixth largest economy in the world. I need a vacation. If somebody was to do any one of those things, like I say, there's lots of sports people who end up writing books about high performance and how you could apply this perhaps in a business world. Let's pick somebody like Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali was a truly amazing athlete, but he was a boxer. He was in walk-on parts in certain movies and TV shows, but he was being Muhammad Ali. He was not a film star, nor did he really get into politics either. He wasn't the governor of anything. And if you want to flip it around, you could have somebody like Joe Biden, where he's had a very long, illustrious career in politics only. He did have a guest appearance on a couple of TV shows in their time, most notably Parks and Recreation, but he was playing Joe Biden in that situation. So let's throw out Sylvester Stallone, the, the big competitor to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, Stallone didn't win any bodybuilding awards, and nor did he go on really into the world of politics. So you've got a man with Schwarzenegger who has forged a career in foreign countries, in a language that isn't his mother tongue, in three areas where almost everybody is going to turn around and say, well, I can't do that. 
or I never got that far. So if he's going to write a book, and that's really the purpose of the live show, is in 2023, late 23, he brought out a book called Be Useful. Now, interestingly, having a number one bestseller isn't something that makes you stand off on your own, because a lot of famous people have written autobiographies, and of course, if you're super famous, all your fans will want to hear your words about your life, and so they sell. So actually, if you're a movie star, you're pretty much guaranteed to get at least one book that's going to be a number one bestseller. However, Be Useful is not an autobiography. He's talking about seven principles, seven elements of his life and outlook that if you apply them, you might be able to go that bit further. Cool. That's why I wanted to do a whole episode on him, because, yeah, I could do something on a movie start. Yes, I've done stuff on politicians or kings or what have you. I'm a cybernetic organism, living tissue over metal endoskeleton. But who's done all these areas? And therefore, he will be remembered. Like I say, if he was to pass away tomorrow, he would be remembered for lots of different things, and some of his legacies are going to last for a very long time indeed. Just to give you an idea on this, I think it's safe to say that the late 80s into the very early 90s was his absolute peak time as a movie actor. Movie star. Let's be honest, he's not an actor. Look who's talking. He's like John Wayne or Dwayne The Rock Johnson in the sense that you're not hiring them to lose themselves in a character as you would do with a Robert De Niro, for example. You're hiring him to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sometimes he's a robot Arnold Schwarzenegger, Terminator. Sometimes he's a wise-cracking commando type Arnold Schwarzenegger in Commando and Predator. You get the idea. And same thing with John Wayne. You didn't want him to play lots of different varied roles. You just wanted John Wayne to swagger onto the screen. Same thing with The Rock. That's what I mean about movie star. He's never going to turn around and say, oh, it was a shame I never won an Oscar, because he knows he's not that kind of guy. To be or not to be. So, if that's the peak of him, 87 Predator, you got 91 Terminator 2. You know, he did movies earlier than this, and he did movies later than this. True Lies, probably his last big runaway smash hit. But this is all into the early 90s. However, Time magazine, which I've mentioned in the past before, it's in America, it's the gold standard of journalism looking at economy and society and culture as a whole. And they do the person of the year, for example, but they also do a list of the 100 most influential people in the world. Now, bearing in mind that Schwarzenegger's movie career is definitely on the decline by the late 1990s, he is in the 100 most influential people in the world from 2004 to 2007. This is well after him being a movie star, so why wasn't he in it in the 90s? Why is he in it in the 2000s? And that's because this is part of the time he was governor of California. And so it does just show you the incredible stretch of time. The late 60s, he is the most sought after and acclaimed bodybuilder in the world. This is the 60s. In the 70s, we see him again being the bodybuilder, and he's moving into a few movies very cautiously. Most of them are flops. His first film, 
was Hercules in New York, where he was called Arnold Strong because they didn't think that anybody in America would be able to spell or pronounce Schwarzenegger. And also, he was dubbed as well. His thick Austrian accent was again deemed unusable for Hollywood. Yes, so he's had a few movies and, and still considering his career. But also, the other thing is, by then, he was a millionaire. Not from movies, certainly not from bodybuilding, which actually cost money rather than made money. He did it through smart investment. He did it while he was doing all these other things. He was also going to business school and getting a degree in business. And he started to earn money buying flats, buying apartment blocks. And so by the late 1970s, he didn't need a Hollywood career to sustain himself. He just really wanted to make movies. This is the fascinating thing. And so, look, is he the richest businessman ever? No. Is he the most powerful politician ever? No. Is he the biggest grossing movie star ever? No. Is he the best performing bodybuilderable type? Well, in terms of getting those eight titles, it's him and Ronnie Johnson. It's those two people have, have only ever done it. Nobody else has, has done it since. People have got bigger than Schwarzenegger. And as Schwarzenegger has said, we're now into a period where all of the hormones and other kind of drugs that are used to sort of stimulate performance. Schwarzenegger looked like a massive human being. But some of these people in the 21st century, they don't really look like a human being anymore. They're so veiny, so muscular, so much separation in the different muscles. And of course, a lot of these people are dying as well. It's, it's a terrible strain on the body. It's a miracle in a way that Schwarzenegger, I saw him at 76 years old. He still got all his faculties and he was still highly energized, even though he was on stage for two hours. There was a break in the middle and it was done in an interview format. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I'll tell you a bit more about that in a minute. But I hope I've sold to you that this isn't just sort of like, oh, I like Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves made some good movies. It's a lot more than that with Schwarzenegger, which is why, again, he's, he's just an amazing person. So, look, they do a brilliant job on Netflix. There's a three-part documentary series about Arnold Schwarzenegger called Arnold, and each episode begins with an A. So there's athlete, actor... American, or in other words, his bodybuilding career, his film career, and then his governorship of California. And moving forwards, now he's an elder statesman, if you like. And I'll be going into that a little bit. So, look, this is not going to be an exhaustive career review of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Other people have done that better than me. But this is, if you like, a fan who was there, caught up in the moment, who saw the sparkle in the eye of Arnie. I have one, one tiny little criticism of it, which I'll tell you about later on. Okay, make it quick, because my horse is getting tired. But I hope that you will enjoy this Arnold Fest, if you like. Let's start off with it. He was born in 1947 in Graz in Austria, hence why later on he's called the Austrian Oak. And his father is Gustav. Now, Schwarzenegger's been very open about this. His father, Gustav, was in the SS. He was a Nazi in World War II. But what's interesting is that Arnold, while he's being completely open about that, and he says some negative things about some mild domestic abuse in terms of sort of being beaten by his father, that wasn't the reason why he became a bodybuilder. But 
at no point has anybody ever said, oh, you know, Schwarzenegger's har harboring Nazi ideas. He has utterly rejected it. And indeed, particularly today when he talks about his father, he talks about what a broken man he was. And all the men of military age, all the fathers, if you like, in the village, they'd all been defeated in a war. And their ideology had been shown to be completely corrupt. Growing up, I was surrounded by broken men drinking away their guilt over their participation in the most evil regime in history. And this man, Gustav, clearly the reason why he was angry and violent towards his two boys is because he was angry and beating up himself, mainly through alcohol. If you were in Graz in 1950 and happened to go past little Arnold Schwarzenegger with Gustav, and he also had a brother as well, an older brother, who sadly died in his teen years, you just wouldn't think that this very agricultural small town, Graz is not the centre of Austria and Austria is not the centre of the universe. So nobody would have expected it to have bred somebody that was going to take on the whole world and indeed in the book be useful like i say he has these seven different principles and the first one i'm not giving anything away here because he talks about this in, in the documentary and everything else so i feel for you know please you might want to get the book okay he doesn't need the money but it's it's a really good book i was reading it also the interesting thing is it's the only book i've ever read where because i know who wrote it you can you can do it in an accent in your head. It's amazing. So he talks that the first principle is having a vision, having a goal. There are so many people out there that do not have a vision. He talks about one of his childhood friends. He's 19 and his friend is 19. They grew up together in Graz. They are still friends to this day. But he just thought it was so strange that his friend at 19 was saying... I'm going to start working for the refuse collection. So in other words, the garbage collection of Graz. He goes, that's a good governmental job. And I'll be able to work my way up in that department. And I'll be able to retire at 65. And then I can really enjoy life. And from the point of view of, of Arnold, it's like, how can you at 19 consign yourself to 65 to work in a job that you clearly you're just doing it to pay the bills, not that you have any interest in it, you have no desire to do it, you don't really like it even, and at 19, you're already organising your time to really live at 65. And he comes up with a statistic, I don't know how true this is, it's probably true, 78% of Americans don't like their job. And I certainly see this a lot when I'm doing my training. And I would say that I'm very lucky that I love both my jobs. I love writing history books and sharing history and doing this podcast. Love it. Love it to bits. It doesn't generate a lot of money, but I love it. But it's not like I'm then very bored as an accountant in the day job. As I said, I'm a business trainer. Every single week's different to me. I love it when I'm doing an ongoing project because I see these people, then I see them again a month later and I can see their skill sets developing. It's really rewarding. It's lovely also walking into a room for the very first time. I know that they don't know who I am, but I know I've got the skill sets. I've done the research. I'm going to be able to help these people. And seeing them, it dawn on their faces. It's like, I don't know who these bad trainers are, but they really make my job very easy. Because the amount of people have said to me, 
any previous business training I've had was awful. The guy wasn't engaging. They didn't really know what they were talking about. Oh, it wasn't re very relevant. How hard is it to do those three things? I do get paid quite a lot per day to do this. That's why I put the effort in. Also, if I'm feeling tired, under the weather, whatever it may be, I'm not paid to apologise and sniffle my way through it. I give them 100%. Now, that might mean that that evening I go to bed early and I'm popping lots of ibuprofen. There is an equivalent name to that in America, but something like a painkiller that you would have at night quill or, or whatever, something like that. And, okay, so I have a lousy night and I go to bed early and I feel absolutely exhausted and I'm toast. But then the next day when I get up and do the second day of the two-day training, I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to go. And again, I might fall asleep on the train home after the training. Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. They don't need to see that, but they want me to bring my A game. They are paying for me to bring my A game and I give my A game. And every time I do, people respond really well in the room and that makes me want to do better for them. I'm with Arnie on that one. I don't know why people would want to do a job that they absolutely hate. And if you do absolutely hate your job, it's very simple. I know it's very easy to say, oh, find a new job, but that one may not pay the bills. I feel you because that's what it's like in the history. But can you do a side job, a second job like this that you would really love? So by day you're an accountant, by night you're doing something cool on Twitch, streaming or Instagram, whatever. That's what a lot of people do nowadays. Or if there is an area that you can reskill into that does actually pay well what's stopping you how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with juvederm voluma xc in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment look younger feel like you add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with juvederm voluma xc Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, if you need to get the education, you can learn the skills in the evenings, night school, evening school, while you're doing the day job right now, and then you can switch over. But I agree with Schwarzenegger, you get one shot at life. This is it. It's not a dress rehearsal. Do not wait till 65 to start feeling happy, because by then you might not even know how to feel happy. So in that regards, I completely agree with Schwarzenegger. So let's look at Schwarzenegger, age 19. By then, he was already competing internationally as a bodybuilder. Now, again, I don't want to go too much into this. You'll get so much more from him in the documentary on Netflix. Or maybe you went to see him live. Or maybe you've read a biography about him. But... As he was growing in stature and physically as well, he tells a wonderful story that as a kid with this vision, he was in school and everything was around America. Movies were American, TV shows were American, music was American. And in school, he started to learn a little bit about America and see these color photos of these skyscrapers, completely alien to, again, the very sleepy world of grads. And he just very early on decided, I want to go to America. Now, that is a vision, but you need more than that. And then he went and saw a movie. It was a Hercules movie, and Reg Park starred in it. Now, Reg Park is not American. He is very much a proud Englishman, but Arnie didn't know that, but then realized that this muscular guy got a job by being muscular, and he was always good at sport, so he started realizing, oh, Reg Park's got a magazine, which is about this bodybuilding thing. And, and this is what triggered it in his mind. So that it was just what he wanted to do. And as he said, you know, as he grew bigger and bigger, what made me, and he said this live, he goes, what made me look forward to the next thousand sit-ups? It's because I had a vision and every sit-up got me closer to that vision. And it's that kind of can-do attitude, which like I say, I'm not a physical guy, but I can relate to that as I just described what it was like, you know, perhaps if I'm struggling with a cold, but I've got a client to deal with. My real fear is my voice, because if I feel awful, if I have a pounding headache, I can deal with that. But if the voice starts going because of a cold, I'm in trouble. I have the very most boring version of something like being a music star, because if a singer can't sing, well, they're going to have to not do the, the show tonight. And it's the same thing for me, except people do not applaud me. I don't walk into a room usually. Well, I've never walked into a room or a stage of a thousand plus people. I have walked in a couple of times when it was a hundred plus. But yes, yeah, so I'm always worried about my throat. There are times when it's like, I'm going to say nothing to anybody until I'm in, in the room. I will quite often be grabbing a Diet Coke because it's got that just a little bit of stickiness to it. It allows you to keep talking as opposed to water which can really dry out your mouth and that sounds weird but hopefully it just rushes through your throat and then it's gone you need something to sort of linger and in my experience diet coke works pretty well for me so you just push through because you want to get to the goal get to the and that's a great thing to sort of take from this and that's what got schwarzenegger out of Graz. 
then he's a bodybuilder. He goes to America and he tells the story. He told the story both live and also in the documentary. There are several different Mr. Olympias. He's already won it multiple times in Europe. And he said that the very first time he competed was in London in 1966. And he said this to everybody in front of the audience. He goes, so I've always loved London. I may be from Austria, but I, I first came to people's notice in England. I, I like in England. He just knew how to play the crowd. He did admittedly say something similar in the documentary. But when you're saying that in London, you had 2,000 people whooping. He then goes to America, does his first competition there, and he comes second. And he tells this story about how that night he went into his hotel room and he just cried. He cried all night. And he goes, I did it because I didn't understand why I lost. I did it because I was so homesick. I'm in America. I've made it. But at the same time, I've turned up and I just lost. And it's like, is America right for me? It was really, really interesting how he talks about, you know, I, I allowed myself to cry all night. And then I got up the next morning and went, right, OK, let's learn. Let's learn about why I didn't win this time round and keep moving forwards. Remarkable man. But then he tells the story of how he starts doing some movie roles. Like I say, if you want a Hercules, Schwarzenegger's perfect for that. It was between him and Lou Ferrigno to play the Incredible Hulk in the 1970s. But Lou Ferrigno had slightly larger biceps. And therefore, that's why they went for Lou rather than Arnold. But Arnold would do fine later on in his own working out and the reason one of the reasons why he was moving away from it is once you've won mr universe seven times in a row in various different iterations i might add what else is there to do win it an eighth time i mean and this is the problem with a lot of these athletes it's like ah you know i've won the world cup twice okay fine win it a third time great but you already know what that's like where do you go but for these people who are like world-class athletes and something that i will respect with Michael Jordan, you know, he absolutely conquered the basketball world, and then he tried baseball. It was actually pretty good. There's this misremembering that he was awful. He wasn't awful. Fundamentally, is eye-to-hand control and etc., and, and working out, etc. All of that worked well for him, but he was a good baseball player, not one of the greatest of all time, whereas in basketball, he's one of the greatest of all time. But he did try something else. And so I, I have huge respect for anybody who tries one thing and moves into another thing, but also realizes when that ain't for me and I'm now going to have to step out of it. Perhaps one of the weirdest ones, Brian Cox, let's be in a pop group, okay? Relatively, moderately successful pop group. Now I'm going to become a professor of astrophysics. Wow. I mean, that's about as different as what Schwarzenegger was doing. But of course, he was trying to become a film star in the 1970s. And when you look at the, the film stars of the 1970s, they're actually pretty small and scrawny. You've got the likes of Pacino. You've got Dustin Hoffman. You've got Woody Allen, for heaven's sakes, was big in the 70s. So those three people are probably the same size as a Schwarzenegger breakfast. And this is what all the people were saying in America. It's like, you know, yeah, we can use you as the heavy, the, the hit man, something like that. That can work, but nothing else is going to work, really. But he persevered. He, he didn't believe them, basically. So when it came to his breakout movie, which is Conan the Barbarian, well, Conan, if you look at the comic books, is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hugely muscular man. This actually led to him. He got into such big shape for, for Conan that he actually went back to Mr. Olympia and won it a final time because he knew he was in such great shape. But also he points out in the documentary, there is no stuntman that's the size of me. So when it came to doing stunts, 
I had to do them all. And if I hurt myself, that's going to hold up the whole of production. So, you know, he did all his falls. He learned how to ride and ride really well. Because obviously you don't want Conan to look like, oh, this is the first time on my horse. This is a man who takes his art seriously. He knows he's never going to be Laurence Olivier, but at the same time, he's completely believable. And moving forwards to Terminator, and I always loved this, there was a time when I was growing up on BBC Two, I can't swear which night it was, probably Friday nights, more Saturday nights, they would show a cultish movie, something like Terminator, which was a big hit, but was very small budgeted and was pretty much an indie movie. But the point made is, who are we going to get to play? The cyborg, this machine on the inside, but a human on the outside. And in the movie, it describes it as an infiltration unit. It's got real human skin, so you can't tell that it's actually a robot. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. <laughs> and therefore, an infiltration unit would probably want to look as inconspicuous as possible, like me or you. You're, you're lovely but you're not Arnold Schwarzenegger. So why the computer would pick something, a bodybuilding guy who's over six foot, it's ridiculous. He sticks out like a sore thumb. Also, why the thick Austrian accent, this thick foreign accent? Surely it should sound more like Stephen Hawking. That would make more sense. But the fact of the matter is, the person famously that they thought about doing it was O.J. Simpson, who was starting his own film career after a very successful football career, American football. And the thing was, nobody believed that he could kill anybody, and that's why he was turned down the role. And yes, Arnold sort of like raises an eyebrow to the camera about that one. And Arnold really petitioned hard James Cameron to become the Terminator. And in the end, he's perfect, because the idea is, while on the one hand it's an infiltration unit, on the other hand, it's completely unstoppable. There's that speech about it. it will not stop. You cannot negotiate with it. And therefore, if you have somebody who kind of looks like a human version of a bulldozer, that's absolutely perfect. But of course, in the case of the Terminator, the Terminator is the bad guy. And Schwarzenegger was saying, people kept wanting me to play a Terminator, but be the good guy. And I'm not sure mowing down lots of human beings makes you a good guy. But we get into the height of the 80s, and yeah, there is a competitive streak between him and Stallone. You know, one does Rambo 2, or hang on, First Blood Part 2. Oh, sorry, is it? I think it is Rambo First Blood Part 2. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. It's, it's a completely nonsensical statement, all right? So you've got Rambo First Blood Part 2, and then you've got Commando. Who's got the biggest gun? Who's got the biggest kill count? But now the era of the small, rangy, very average everyman has evaporated. And we also get people like Jean-Claude Van Damme, who, by comparison to those two, is smaller, but still extraordinarily buff, with not a lot of body fat going on there. And we are now in peak Arnold, ooh, I love it all, type territory. The first 18-rated movie that I saw in the cinema when I was 17, whoopsie, was in Leicester Square, and it was to see Total Recall. And I can remember the thrill of being able to sneak in with my friends, and I remember the thrill of me sitting there thinking, I've got away with it, and I get to see the latest Arnie movie on screen. Ah, oh, just great fun. I was there on the opening night in Leicester Square for Terminator 2, Judgment Day, 
and just seeing the crowd whooping. It was it was like theatre as as people were cheering at certain moments. Great, great stuff. And of course, uh, you know, there is no greater thing than nostalgia, is there? You just remember these moments. But again, you now see him today. And he's, of course, he's physically diminished. Talk to the hand. At the start of part two, he walked on and he dropped into the classic strongman pose. But he's wearing jeans and he's wearing a shirt and he's wearing a jacket. And everyone laughed and he goes, oh, you know, I would have loved to have ripped my clothes off one day. He goes, well, I'm 76 years old now. You, you don't want to see that. And everyone's whooping and cheering. And, and if you like, this is my one criticism of it. Because he was there and he was talking about his book. And the point of the book is... This is what I've learned over my 76 years. I'm trying to help you. If this worked for me, this can work for you. You will have different vision to me. You may not be going to America, but it might be getting that promotion. But you've got to actually understand what do you want, and that will make it so much easier for you to work for it. It's actually a term called visualization. It's been around for years in psychology and sports psychology, and it's absolutely valid. It's just Schwarzenegger did it in a slightly different way, and I'll listen to Schwarzenegger. So where he was in a philosophical mood. He was trying to tell us stuff. He was trying to help us, educate us even. But I'm not there because of Schwarzenegger, the elder statesman. I'm not there because of Schwarzenegger, the governor. I would like to hear his advice. But every time he started talking about his movies or told a funny story about, you know, back in the day, the crowd went wild. What was the last thing he said to everybody at the end of part one? I'll be back. And the crowd loved it and whooped and cheered, etc. At one point, he was talking about some of the movies he was proudest of. And he paused on Predator and he went, get to the chopper. And again, everybody just went crazy. And I needed more of that. I don't do requests. I needed 10% less philosophy. And the person interviewing him is Jake Humphrey from the High Performance Podcast. Now, I do love the High Performance Podcast. It's one of the most successful podcasts out there. Good luck to both Damien and Jake. I actually know Damien. I've had dinner with him. I've hung out with him. He's a friend of my wife's and I have huge respect for him. But that's the High Performance Podcast. We're not here for the High Performance Podcast and the High Performance Podcast gets very serious. People sometimes get really emotional, kind of tearing up. And it's like, okay, I can understand you're going to be talking to him about performance because it's obviously linked to the book. But Jake, you can get a bit intense at times. I would have preferred 10% less philosophy and 10% more fun. And I'm pretty sure Schwarzenegger would have been okay with that. We actually all got a copy of his book. He didn't have to sell the book to us. We got it free. Well, we didn't get it free because it's obviously linked to the ticket sale. I guess that also means because he did it for several days. It means that adds to his total book sales, which is going to help once again confirm it being a number one bestseller. But as I said, being famous and getting your autobiography to number one, easy. Getting to number one with another type of book, much, much harder. And certainly these kind of business books, I can't think of another famous person, who, somebody like a Schwarzenegger, who's ever written one of those. But it just shows you his incredible ability to sort of cross into all these other areas. Now, moving into his political career, what I found interesting is he was a Republican in California. And if you like, he's one of the examples of one of the last reasonable, moderate, right-wing Republicans, center-right in essence. The thing that he's proudest of is he brought in this environmental laws that then got rolled out under the Obama administration across the rest of America. So what he started in California as a Republican because he thought that this was a good idea 
for the environment became a nationwide issue. And yet today, people are still arguing, particularly on the right, about, oh, is global warming a hoax, etc. But actually, no, not all right-wing people are like that. I have friends in America that never were huge fans of Schwarzenegger. They were very left. They weren't just Democrat. They were more Bernie Sanders-type Democrats. And when they heard that Schwarzenegger's become a Republican and is going for the California governorship, they were like, oh, he's going to be terrible. He's going to be awful. And I'd see, look, every now and then there's occasional news story that was negative. And I said, what's quite telling is he's not in the news all the time. Actually, months go by and you forget that he's even in California, which is telling you he's basically doing a good job because you only hit the news unless you're doing something amazingly good or amazingly badly. For further information, look at the Trump presidency. He was front page news for the entire four years. It was exhausting as he lurched from one catastrophe to another controversy to another diplomatic incident. And Schwarzenegger was never like that. Indeed, the two of them clashed quite hard. And so... I was then super impressed that I saw some of his videos that he produced, one after January 6th and another one after the Ukraine invasion, and they were nuanced. They were sophisticated. They were thoughtful. They were all the things that the world needed to hear at that moment in time. He reached out to the Russians talking about a great Russian bodybuilder, which I'd never heard of until he actually mentioned him in a speech and talking about how much respect he had for them. And then started talking about, but your government's lying to you. Ukraine was not about to attack Russia, et cetera, et cetera. You can't argue with anything he says in either of those. Also in that one, he talks about, well, I think it was in the, it was in the January 6th one. He talks about how powerful people can lie to you to get what they want. And he used his father as an example and how he followed the Nazi ideology, the hateful Nazi ideology. So you've gone from a guy who was almost a joke in America. It's like, ah, he came second place in bodybuilding. Ah, he's got a guttural accent. Ah, we're going to dub him. Ah, he's got an unpronounceable surname. To becoming one of the most bankable stars of the 1980s, to then becoming a governor, to now being, and he is a naturalized American, and it was interesting, the day he was in the London Palladium, there was the question about, you know, would you run for president? And his simple answer was yes, but the Constitution doesn't allow it. You have to be a natural-born American you can't be born in another country, become American, and run for president. So the highest he could ever go to was governor. But I think there's no doubt right now, if he did become the Republican candidate, or indeed the Democrat candidate, he would win the election. So it's just a sign of how impressive this man is. And, and what do you call him? Do you call him an athlete? Do you call him an action star? He is those things, but that's not the only thing he's ever done. He's so multifaceted. And so what I'm going to finish with is back to his book, Be Useful, which was something that his father used to tell him. That was the really weird moment in the speech because he'd already talked about his father and talked about the horrors of, of Nazism. Good, we can all agree on that. But then there's a big applause, like, oh, let's have a big, big applause for his father telling him to be useful. And it's like, we're applauding a Nazi right now. Now, I think we can all agree that be useful is a good idea, but that's, it was just a very strange moment. And so, going all the way back to it, if you've got somebody like Schwarzenegger who's achieved... So, oh, and look, actually, I feel the need to say, look, he was, he was very open and honest in the book and open and honest on the documentary that he cheated on his wife. Maria Schreiber, who was married in 86, that they got divorced in 21, he ended up sleeping with the, the housekeeper and had an illegitimate son with him. He's all over that. He's not a perfect man. 
when people say, oh, they're my hero, it's like, but they're still not perfect. They might be a hero despite their flaws, whatever those flaws may be. And he's certainly not the first powerful man to have messed around with other women. I am sad to say, I'm not condoning it in any way, but I'm not whitewashing the guy, but he's not whitewashing himself. But if you've got somebody who's climbed to the top of the mountain in three completely different disciplines and been hugely respected in all three of those, if he writes a book saying, I've got some advice for you, I really suggest you listen. That's it from me. As always, another podcast coming soon. Hasta la vista, baby. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.